sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today. This is Sports Grid. I am Craig Mish, and for the next two hours, Joe Pizapia and I will run through all the latest in fantasy sports, in wagering, and of course the reality of where we are at in the 2020 sports world. It is August the 7th. We have plenty to get to here on the show, including live updates of the PGA Championship out in San Francisco, California, the latest in the NFL. And Joe, of course, the latest in Major League Baseball, where every single Major League Baseball team is scheduled to be on the field tonight. Good afternoon. Yeah, let's say it again. Every single Major League team is playing a game tonight. It's Friday night. It's the weekend. All your teams are playing. This is crazy. I can't believe we're still here. I can't believe we've gotten here. If you consider where last week began and where this week is ending, my goodness, what a difference <laughs> What a difference a week and a half makes. It's just unbelievable, and uh, I know it makes you very happy, Craig. It makes me very happy as well, and uh, let's see how the Marlins fare against my Mets tonight because they can't play the Orioles every day, although they, I bet they wish they could. Yeah, that's, that's really been uh, an incredible story, honestly. Uh, the fact that you can have 18 guys missing off a team and beat any team in Major League Baseball is, uh, is certainly incredible. No, the Orioles did not play well at all in the four games that they played them, but I'm not going to put past anything on anyone at this stage in the baseball season and um, and certainly even in the NBA. Some really great performances last night. Uh, Dame Lillard had a huge game, uh, Harden with another big game as well, and so I think the weekend will be filled with fun. PGA, Major League Baseball, and NBA, and NASCAR, by the way, too. And we're going to have Matt Sells previewing the Saturday and Sunday races. So for the first time in five months, if you're a sports fan, you're a wagering fan, and you're a fantasy fan, you made it. This is it. We got everything going on this weekend. We got a hockey game, by the way, starting right now. Um, a win in your in game for the Florida Panthers. Very interesting here in South Florida. This is a team that has not won a lot in the last two decades, and, uh, and they right now have just dropped the puck, so I'll be paying attention to that game as well. All right, here are the top stories on Fantasy Sports today, and there's actually more than this. But we'll get started with, uh, with Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers, who is struggling mightily. And, uh, and I don't know if there is an end in sight to this, honestly, for Yelich. It has been a huge disappointment for him at the start of the season. Uh, the guys in Milwaukee are, are basically saying a lot is, uh, is happening right now. He's having to tinker. He's never dealt with anything like this before. And then yesterday, he hits basically a, lo- a line drive down the line, which should have been a double. But Eloy Jimenez fell into the stands. There's no fans. So he just fell directly uh, onto the net into the stands. And uh, Yelich ran all around the bases for an inside-the-park home run, first one of the season, so that was cool. Uh, Nick Markakis returns to the Atlanta Braves and pays dividends immediately, and he ends up walking it off for them. Markakis will certainly be a big part of the Braves moving forward. They've had a lot of issues with their pitching, not as much with the offense, although Ozzy Albies, of course, is not in their lineup, but that was a real emotional uh, hit to see yesterday from Markakis, no doubt. They'll welcome him back. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau had a tough, tough round. Uh, broke his driver in uh, in round one. He is not on the leaderboard. We're going to get to that in a second as they're teeing off, I believe, in the next five or ten minutes. So we'll have updates there after round one. Speaking of which, Tiger Woods 
is minus two, provided that he has a decent day today. He's headed toward the weekend in a good spot. So we'll keep on an eye on him as well. And I mentioned Harden and I mentioned Lillard and we talked about the Raptors, but man, the Phoenix Suns have also been on fire four and oh in the NBA restart as well. So we'll be keeping a closer eye on them. Remember two years ago, Phoenix basically averaged by losing 25, 30 points a game. They were the worst team in the NBA and uh, a nice little turnaround for them. Of course, uh, adding a couple of high draft picks will do that. And so that's where we'll start on this Friday, Joe. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, of all the strange and crazy and wild stories we've had in 2020, Nick Markakis is up there because how many players do you think we were going to get who are going to opt out of a season and then a few weeks later decide to come back and play? I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy. And then he has the night last night, which is obviously very important to that Braves win. It just kind of makes you wonder, like, what was the pull? Like, this is an interview I'd love to have. I'd love to ask him more about this and the decision-making process with the family, with his teammates. Because, you know, Nick Markakis is a ball player at his core. Uh, I've always been a big fan of his uh, ever since his days where he's coming up as a Baltimore Oriole. And, and I've always been a big fan of him. I know he never quite hit for the power level that people expected or wanted. But he's a really good defensive player, really good ball player, a good base runner. He's kind of like that fundamental baseball player. And I guess fundamentally, he missed the game to a certain extent and felt a pull there and came back. And I think that is... Uh, a really interesting story for sure. Yeah, and as we welcome in our, our radio audience, we're going to hit on a lot of baseball coming up in a couple of minutes. We'll go through all the uh, fan, fantasy standouts from Thursday, and and we're also going to go over some potential players to pick up off the waiver wire, but given the nature, Joe, of this season and given the nature of what Major League Baseball announced yesterday, I would have to think that talent may not be as important as games. And uh, Major League Baseball announced yesterday 14 additional doubleheaders, and they're going to try to get Miami, Washington, Philadelphia, and St. Louis all to a minimum of 55 games. The schedule right now has some of them at 57. And so for people who are playing fantasy, I mean, certainly you can take a look at stats and players and numbers. Mm -hmm. But, Joe, simply put, the teams that I just mentioned are going to be playing in more games than anyone else the rest of the way, which has never been seen in the history of baseball or fantasy baseball. So heading into the weekend, uh, those are my targets. Give me the guys who are playing the most amount of games, and I'm probably going to add on the most stats toward the end of the year. Yeah, it's a great point you're making, too. And then when you factor in also that you know these are going to be shorter games, right? The doubleheaders are seven innings and not nine. Yeah. So. In which case, how does that affect the starting pitchers? How does it affect uh, maybe some save opportunities? Maybe it's maybe it's better, easier bridges to the wins. There's a lot to figure out here, and I know we've got two hours to do it, so hopefully we can figure it all out here. All right, we'll do that coming up next. Time for us to dive into the standouts from yesterday. Uh, also, a very unique situation going on in Philadelphia with their fans, unsurprisingly. We'll have that story and more when we return next on Fantasy Sports Today. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The 
As we wrap up the week of fantasy sports today, thanks so much for being part of our show as we get you ready for the weekend. And of course, this weekend, you can catch Joe over on his Diamond Bet show. And Joe, what's uh, what's on tap for the weekend with you and Matt Stryker? Oh, well, we had a little sit down with our good friend, Paul Sporer, talk about some of the uh, young pitching performances we've seen, plus some guys who have taken that next step up from very good from ace level to absolutely dominant right now, really broke down uh, Bieber and Sonny Gray and what we're looking for them in the next few years. And he actually even brought uh, some really great knowledge in there, too, which I didn't realize that Sonny Gray's pitching coach now is actually the pitching coach that he had in college at Vanderbilt. And he was getting into that. And uh, that's why you watch, because you get great nuggets like that from guys like Paul and of course, Matt and I are going to break it all down for you, looking ahead to the week that's coming. And, of course, recapping the week that was in Major League Baseball and all of these wonderful games. So many, many games. Yeah, it'll be a fun weekend. I got uh, not a lot happening for me, so this will be exciting and be able to stay home and just watch it all. And a little bit of golf, I think, in my future, a little baseball practice, but that's about it. Okay, so, uh, and, and by the way, next week I'll be able to go hypothetically to my first baseball game in five months. I'm not going to hold my <laughs> breath on that one, but that's that's where the schedule <laughs> is pointing us to. We'll see next Friday. All right, so let's, before we go ahead, we always go back. So let's take a look at Thursday's fantasy standouts. We'll start off with Whit Merrifield. Uh, with two hits, a home run, and three runs as the Royals just went bananas yesterday offensively, and Merrifield is having an MVP-type season. We'll see how the Royals do. That'll be part of the equation. Maybe them getting in the postseason or just squeaking in is enough to get him in there, but he's going to get votes. He's having a great, great start. Uh, speaking of which, Jose Ramirez is also having a completely different start in 20 than he had in 19. Three hits yesterday, two home runs. Uh, he now has four on the season. He drove in four runs as the Reds just didn't show up against the Indians. Well, a lot of blowouts, by the way, yesterday in baseball as well. That was interesting. Uh, JT Real Muto, another two hits for the Phillies. He hit his third home run of the season. He also drove in three runs, and so his catching numbers offensively are the best right now in baseball, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. But he did get off to a slow start last year. Definitely not the case this year. We'll hear from Real Muto in a minute from now. Uh, Jonathan VR of the Marlins. Uh, I, I know that with the Marlins winning and, and getting back on the field, some folks were waiting for VR to go off, and, and he did last night for the first time. Three hits, a home run, two RBIs, but as you see there in that graphic, the key number, the stolen base. A lot of people feeling VR has a chance to steal 20 bases, maybe 15 bases in the 60-gamer, and, uh, and VR has been picked off a couple of times also, so you know he is going to be running, no question. Uh, the shocker yesterday, no doubt, uh, with the Angels was Dylan Bundy. Complete game, 10 strikeouts, unbelievable game for him as he has gotten off to a great start. Nine innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, uh, complete game. All the credit in the world has to go to that staff right now with the Angels. Um, it, without a doubt, great start for him for sure. Carlos Carrasco didn't need to go deep into the game because the Indians were just uh, laying it on there, six innings pitched, one hit, no one runs, eight strikeouts. They took him out early to save some innings from him and to save some pitches. And then Liam Hendricks in the American League now has is the save leader, which shouldn't be a surprise because he was great last year too. One innings pitch, one inning pitch, excuse me, and four saves, Joe. And those are some of the best performances from yesterday. Yeah, on Diamond Best, we're going to do a deep dive on Dylan Bundy as well and his reemergence basically into the scene. A great night for El Muto and also for VR. And uh, also, keynote tonight, uh, VR is just 2.7K over on FanDuel. The Mets struggle quite a bit in terms of uh, keeping speedsters from uh, basically owning them. So there's a real good chance that he is going to be running again tonight against that Mets team that doesn't hold runners on well, doesn't throw guys out either very well. So keep an eye on that. It's a really good return on investment tonight if you're playing in the main daily slate. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, right now you go back and you look, I mean, Dylan Bundy's got to be one of the great stories so far of this year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, and what a dominant performance by him. So that's great to see. Like, I, I'm really happy so far of all the great stories we've had. There's something about this Dylan Bundy one for me personally that I like when a guy who had all the potential in the world is finally realizing it because I think it's really sad when you look at that potential is potentially lost. And uh, hopefully this is yeah. just the beginning of a great career for him. It, it could very well be. I don't believe it at all, and I think that eventually this will fall apart, but there's no question that he has had the best three starts of his career. He's had a couple of starts in Baltimore through the years where he's posted back-to-back great starts, seven innings, eight innings, but not three. And and look, it's undeniable what he's been able to accomplish. Personally, I'm very skeptical. I don't believe in him at all, but undeniable what he has done thus far. Maybe there's something that's been going on with the coaching staff uh, with the Angels. And, and listen, sometimes guys get out of Baltimore and they do find <laughs> success in terms of pitching. Arietta was the key one that they really couldn't figure out what to do with him. And then he went on to the Cubs and for two or three years was arguably either the best or second best pitcher in baseball. Different, different Arietta now than we saw with the Cubs, but uh, mm-hmm. Orioles have had a really hard time uh, finding guys, and it hasn't worked for Gossman. A lot of people were high on him. Maybe it's working for Bundy. Some people were high on him, too. So jury is out for me on him, but we'll definitely see. Uh, no jury out on fans in Philadelphia, as you know, Joe. They are some of the most passionate fans in all of Major League Baseball, for better or for worse. And you have to wonder at this point if what Phillies fans are doing is going to be catching on around the country. Essentially, the way that this is working is that when the Phillies game starts, a bunch of fans are basically right outside the stadium and looking for any kind of empty area and going out there with drums and screaming and yelling and doing all of these things. And it really bothered the Yankees. They said it did. They alluded to it. And there are some stadiums where you can do this, where you can get close enough to be able to make a difference. I don't know how long this is going to last, and I don't certainly know if they're going to be allowed to do this because the more fans that show up, all of a sudden some of the things that the CDC is asking to do, you're not going to be able to do social distancing. I mean, how how does this all work? But uh, for the time being, it's something that has helped the Phillies, no doubt. They've acknowledged it, and their catcher, JT Realmuto, basically has said it's better than hearing nothing. Great. Honestly, it's nice to at least hear something out there, even if they're quite far away, but they had the horn going pretty well tonight, and uh, I heard a few of their chants. So it's fun to at least get a little bit of fans out there. You know, it's better than listening to silence. Joe, I'm curious how this will play out, because I don't think that it's going to be encouraged to have hundreds even of fans outside stadiums making noise. And I don't think Philadelphia is going to be the last team to try this. I just wonder if if they're sort of ruined it for everybody else. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, I lived in Philadelphia for six years, uh, and uh, I love the town. It has got a lot of character, to say the least, especially when it comes to the sports fans. So this does not surprise me whatsoever. And uh, who knows? I probably know one or two of those people that are in that lot. That would be my guess. Uh, but <laughs> let me tell you something. Between the drones earlier in the week and this stuff now, everyone's finding creative ways to kind of re-involve themselves somehow in the conversation when it comes to baseball. And you're absolutely right. They're probably going to lock this down. I don't think this is something you're going to see a lot of, that's for sure. But uh, look, hey, you got a home field advantage for at least a night. JT, like you said, you got to take it while you can get it, baby. And I think they did, basically. Yeah, I, I think that if if there was a way to figure it out where where fans can stay away from each other and wear masks and do everything else, I, I think it could work. But I have a hard time trusting anybody 
that mm-hmm. has a beer or two and stands outside a stadium and decides to yell and scream. And so for me, I wonder if this just ends very quickly, Joe. I, I and, and again, it's cool to have it and to see it. And, and now that people like us are talking about it, it's going to start to get some attention. And so the future of this, I think, is in doubt. I, I, I can't. And you could do this. By the way, I was looking at there's about 10 to 15 stadiums where you could literally just stand right outside. And there's you know a couple of stadiums where you can actually peek up and, and see through without having to go in. Yeah, and I know this ballpark very well, obviously. So I know exactly the spots that they're talking about because we've been through them. Uh, but yeah, this is probably not very long for Major League Baseball. But look, you know, people want to go out there one night, have a little fun, and they were able to do that. That's cool. But you have to know at this point in time, the most important thing, and the players know this too, get the games going. Can we keep the games going? We can't have people doing silly things outside. We can't bring people into the ballpark quite yet. Maybe next year we'll be able to go back to what our normal was, and let's hope that we can. But for right now, let's just continue to double down, be safe, and uh, we can all acknowledge that what we're doing right now is working. Because why? We have 15 Major League Baseball games tonight. That's the number that matters, 15. And that's how many games there are Friday night right now in August. So let's not ruin a good thing by doing stupid things, okay? Can we just not do that? I don't know the answer to that, but we're going to find out. We got the sports (laughs) update. Coming up next, so make sure you stay tuned to the latest in sports as we do this every hour for you, keep you updated on that. Also, we will run down the PGA Championship leaderboard as it stands right now at 9.20 Pacific. They have teed off already, and so we'll get an update there. It's waiver wire time also in fantasy baseball, so don't go away. We'll be right back here on the grid in just two minutes. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, thanks very much, Chris, and welcome back. Craig and Joe here back with you. We're going to get into a little waiver wire today as well as take a look at the PGA Championship. Uh, Joe, we talked about a couple of days ago who's the boss is coming back and all these things being revived back on television. Mm -hmm. It was announced yesterday as well that there's going to be a Dirty Dancing sequel from back in 1987. So we're talking about a long time ago. And, of course, Patrick Swayze passed away many years ago. But Jennifer Grey will star in this, and you're going to get your wish. You're going to get a Dirty Dancing sequel. I know you've been asking for this for six months. You finally got it. Well, and I'm going to announce right now on the show I'm going to be away for a few weeks uh, filming that. Uh, I am replacing Patrick Swayze in that role. Uh, I am an excellent dancer. People might not realize that. Uh, I have excellent footwork. Uh, and I will uh, be doing that. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big task. Uh, I've been asked to do it. And I think that uh, I'm going to give everything I possibly can and dance as dirty as I possibly can give out there for the people. Because that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the people. By the way, just want to point out, as a kid, always had a big crush on Alyssa Milano, I got to say. I was always one of those mm. you know, Alyssa Milano fans, for sure. So I, I can't say that I'm not going to watch Who's the Boss okay. somehow, some way. Maybe I'm just, you know. Old habits die hard, Craig. I had a crush on her. What can I say? I understand. Look, I mean, you know, it's uh, she was very popular back then, no doubt, mm-hmm. and and ended up having a great career in television. Yeah, and, sure and went on to do Charmed. Was Charmed the Many other years. show? Oh she my was god, on? I want to say it was like eight years or not. It was on for. A, it's one of those shows where you look up and you're like. Wow, that show's been on for a decade. It's like Bones. Remember the show Bones? I was like, who watches yes, that I do. show? Yeah. You look up and they're no, celebrating our 5,000th episode of Bones. What? When did that happen? 
I, I, I never watched Charmed either. I, it, Charmed was the kind of show where I'm, when I was flipping, I would stop for a second and go, oh, I've never seen this, and then just keep going. That's it. <laughs> never I'll probably it, stay ever. on it a little longer. You know, I, I'll, I'll be Understandable. Honest. Understandable. Okay, let's uh, take a look at the PGA Tour uh, leaderboard. This is uh, for the PGA Championship, San Francisco, California. And this is from yesterday. As they've teed off today, we'll update you next hour on that. But Jason Day right now is the leader at minus five. Brendan Todd is also at minus five. So many at minus four to go through. But Brooks Kepka, he is the one clearly on this list to watch. Scotty Scheffler, who led for a while yesterday. In fact, when we were here on the show, he got off to a really good start. Finished at minus four. Zach Johnson, Justin, Dustin Rose. Brennan Steele, and Mike Lorenzo Vera. Those uh, are at minus four. And um, also, I, I think it's important to know, Joe, the notables who were not among the top five or six, but certainly still have a chance to win this. So let's take a look at the notables uh, where we have Tiger Woods, also off to a pretty good start, I would say, at minus two. Dustin Johnson at minus one. And Rory McIlroy will be even. I think most people, Joe, are waiting to see uh, Tiger Woods hopefully continues to play well, plays into the weekend, and there's no doubt that if he's in contention on Sunday, I think regardless of contention or not, this is a major tournament. So I, I oh, think yeah. that a lot of sports focus is going to be on this on Sunday regardless. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and uh, it's always good for golf when Tiger Woods is in the conversation. It's good for the ratings no matter what. He still has the star power. He can still draw no matter where he is, no matter how old he is. And look, Kepka's right where he's supposed to be, right? He's right in that striking distance, and uh, we'll see what happens today as we push on to the weekend. But, uh, yeah, I think you have got all the names. If you are the PGA right now, you've got all the names that you kind of want in the mix heading into Friday. And hopefully here they stay in the mix so you have something that could shape up to be quite a Sunday potentially at the end. All right, let's take a look at Waiver Wire Friday. For those of you who are playing in fantasy baseball, and, and certainly this week's Waiver Wire is going to be nowhere what last week's was. You needed hours to put together a Waiver Wire and, and basically acquire players last Sunday if that's when you were doing it. I know, understand some of you right now are watching the show saying, what do you mean? I, I could go right now and go on the Waiver Wire and pick someone up. Yeah, that's cool, too. Everybody has different rules for how they play in fantasy, and I get that. But I suppose this is just more for people who have to wait for Sunday. And also, we're not doing the best job ever because something can happen between Friday and Sunday too. And this could certainly change. So also keep that in mind, especially if you're watching the show on demand on the weekend, let's start off with the San Francisco giant star of the early part of the season, Donovan Solano, who is rostered in about 50% of fantasy leagues, who's hitting over 400. And you can see these numbers that just cannot be continued. Joe, I guess the question that I would have is this, we know he's going to continue to get some playing time, but it would require him to do exactly what he's doing now to stay on the field, at least in my opinion. Uh, I would wonder if picking him up is a detriment only because we've never seen anything like this from him before. You know his numbers are coming down significantly. So how, how can he help you? Do you think that there's anything that he can do to come even close to where he's been this year and I would say even last year? Well, look, are these numbers sustainable? Of course not. However, I think what you were pointing out is we're looking for volume. Are you playing? Are you healthy? Are you productive? And so far, he ticks all of those boxes, which is really positive for Solano. Uh, I don't think he is a guy that's going to hit 400. I don't know if he's going to hit 310 when all is said and done. But I think what you're looking at right now is a player that is going to be on the field for a team that is certainly going through uh, a change here. They're going through a rebuilding stage there, and there's no reason not to be playing Solano out there pretty much every day. Uh, I also think there's something to be said for even if you don't need this kind of player to add this player to the waiver wire because you don't know at any moment when a useful player like this might end up finding their way onto your lineup or become really useful trade bait as an ancillary piece 
when you let's say somebody else in your league has an issue, loses a player to the IL. We saw Albies go down, right? Like I'm sure the Albies mm-hmm. owner is looking for a second baseman right now this week. Solano's out there. If you put in a better bid or you've got more fab to spend, go out there and get him. And then maybe you can, you know, talk shop, maybe try to uh, move him for somebody better or package him with someone else and bring in a player that really could impact your roster. So I think right now in the heat of battle, it's worth looking at acquiring him, even if it's just for depth at the very least. All right, let's uh, move on to the shortstop position where Seattle's J.P. Crawford has finally started to show what the Phillies thought that he would show many years ago when they acquired him. Uh, 12 runs is among the American League leaders, uh, also three stolen bases, and clearly the key number here is walks to go with his 283 batting average. I don't think that Crawford is is too far off from what he potentially could be, and, and there's been years of waiting for him, mm. Joe, to become what we thought that he would, so it wouldn't surprise me to see J.P. Crawford actually become a good player. Some players just take longer, and I think maybe he's one of them. I am shocked that he is still under 50%. Now, it's just, it's right on the border, obviously, at 49, but man, with all those roto formats out there, you would think a guy like this with wheels would be scooped up right away the minute he stole a base, let alone three, and you nailed it. It's about the walks. It's about him getting on base because if he can continue at this kind of rate with really good pitch selection and pitch identification skills, that is something we haven't really seen out of JP. And if he can continue that, that bodes really well because they were talking about that OBP going up through the roof, which means more opportunities to steal bases. And he has the speed to actually make good on those opportunities. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys with a lot of speed who can't get on base, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Billy Hamilton and some other guys like that over the years. And it's very frustrating. So if JP Crawford can buck that trend, man, this is a really useful player, especially in head to head roto category leagues where he can contribute possibly a batting average in runs and in stolen bases, and maybe even OBP if it's in that format as well. So keep that in mind. Is the guy a big power guy? Absolutely not. But I think he can absolutely contribute in a few different categories, and that makes him very useful and kind of surprising he isn't in more leagues already. Yeah, he should. He's, he's seeing pitch as well. That's that's yeah. obvious when you're walking that that is the case. Okay, uh, Minnesota Twins, uh, Randy Dobnak has been a nice story for them. In three games, he has two wins. And uh, not a lot of strikeouts, but doesn't seem to give up a lot of hard contact. He puts some players on base. But this is this is really a good one for a lot of people, just with the firm understanding that it's the Twins. And it's no different than owning a pitcher on the Astros or owning a pitcher on the Yankees or even the Dodgers. This guy is going to start games or whatever he's going to end up doing, pitch in the middle for the Twins. They'll sort it all out. He's going to win a lot of games, Joe. I mean, that's, that's just all there is to it. The Twins are going to win a lot. I know they blew one yesterday. Their bullpen fell apart. But even getting bullpen arms on the Twins is a smart idea because in these shorter games that they're playing, and and, and even with Kent Maeda pitching, if this guy just goes four or five innings, wins are coming. So I, I'll take everybody on the Twins pitching if I can right now. Yeah, I'm not in love with this guy because of the K rate, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. That high K per nine, that's a guy that can get out of a jam. Uh, you look at the hits per nine so far, that's been very low. So that's been a positive you know, that's kind of been the secret to his success right now. So far, guys haven't squared him up very well. So if you're not striking out a lot of guys, you're not walking out a lot of guys, at least you're not getting hit, that all of a sudden can translate into going to the fifth, maybe sixth inning and getting some W's. And you also have to consider that in some of the age in that rotation as well, with Bailey, with Rich Hill, with Kent Maeda, that there might be opportunity for him to stick around a lot longer than people realize because we just saw Rich Hill get skipped this week. So with that possibility, I think from a depth standpoint, I understand adding it. I think you have to understand who the pitcher is, and he's not a dominant guy. He is a guy that you're looking for wins, 
Maybe some decent ratios if you can get that, but forget strikeouts. It's just not his bag. And uh, I'll, uh, I have one pitcher to talk about in a second here, but let's close it out with uh, with the closers. Um, and, and clearly at this point, Craig Kimbrell's not the closer of the Cubs. I'm not sure that Rowan Wick is because he's basically pitching every single day. It's really hard. But uh, two <laughs> saves, two strikeouts, three innings pitch, no earned runs. The Cubs are going to have to figure out a way to get outs in the ninth inning, and I'm not completely convinced that Wick is going to be the guy going forward forever, but I am convinced that Kimbrell is not, and so therefore you got to jump on this. Yeah, I think you got to try this and just kind of throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, once again, on Diamond Bets, we kind of got into this a little bit of a conversation, too, about Rowan Wick and some other things. So uh, I think uh, Paul Sporer kind of also nailed this down that, we feel like he's probably going to be that guy. He and I were talking off air about this and uh, almost by default. And right now you've just got to throw a lot of fab at a lot of guys and hope that you hit on one or two of them for this save category, because it's that kind of a crazy year in the bullpens. Bullpens are always crazy, but this year it's extraordinary. I mean, it's just completely blown up. You see Ozuna's out for the year now too. Uh, look for me, I agree with you hundred percent. Kimbrell's days are numbered in that role, Craig. So Throw some fab on a couple guys. Wick, I think, is definitely one of them to do that with. And hopefully, maybe you'll get lucky. And Wick will be that guy who sticks in this role. So far, so good. He's gotten the opportunities, like you said. Yeah. Uh, one other name to throw out for those of you who went in on Christian Javier last week and you did not get him. The Astros have turned to their other top pitching prospect, Brandon Belak, who threw five shutout innings yesterday. He's already got two wins. His ERA is under one. I've seen him through the years, too, uh, pitch in Palm Beach for the Astros. Uh, I don't think he's Christian Javier, but he doesn't need to be on the Houston Astros, and he is going to be in their rotation for the rest of the season. I don't think Whitley is going to throw a pitch in Major League Baseball this year, and they've already removed Josh James from his starting role. So Brandon Belak is another name that's 0% owned in fantasy leagues that I would put almost at the top of this list in terms of pitching. Back with more fantasy sports today with today's schedule in baseball. I'll go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're going to break down some selections in DFS on a number of different levels. Of course, the first is baseball for today. But coming up a little bit later in the show, Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm is going to join us and go over the NASCAR race coming up on Saturday and also the one on Sunday. Matt was on vacation last week, actually here uh, where I live in Florida. And so now he is back. He'll be on the show this week. He's coming up a little bit later. I know he's helped a lot of people that have watched, and uh, not really that difficult if you just keep picking Kevin Harvick every week, which is what he's done. I forced him to pick someone else this week. Harvick probably will win, but that's the deal. So that's coming up in about oh, a little bit over an hour from now, so stay tuned for that Why would you force well. him to be wrong? Well, why would you do that to the poor guy? He's on the street. You force him to be it, wrong. It, it, but, but it's like crazy. I mean, what, what's the equivalent of that? I, I'm not sure. Like, um, well, I like guess it would be the Warriors to make the finals every yeah, year. That, for, that's exactly year? what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like it would be forcing somebody to not pick the Warriors in the NBA the last five years. Yes, that's exactly what it is. All right, there you go. I mean, that's fair. I know it's not good TV to say that it's the same guy, but I mean, poor Matt. He's such a good dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I, know, I know, but but Harvick has not won every race. He's won almost <laughs> every one, but he has not won every one. So. 
Maybe he maybe he probably will win this week, but he's not a significant favorite like he's been. He was two to one and three to one in some of the previous races. Now he's four to one. So we'll see. All right, let's take a look at today's schedule. The field, remember that back in the day too. Uh, when the one that he won. Oh oh, no! no, Back when he was Tiger Woods versus the field was one of those wagers you could always when he was just on fire back in the day. Right, you're you're always better taking the field in those situations. You never know what can happen at sports, and and if the Nets didn't prove that the other day, beating the Bucks, nothing else will. <laughs> By the way, the Heat the Heat led the Bucks uh, yesterday. I think Brett will correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Heat led the Bucks by 14 or 15 at one point, and they ended up losing by 20. Uh, this is just it's it's sports. That's what happened. Yeah. Okay, uh, Yankees at Rays today, 6.40 Eastern, first game on the board. Uh, it's even here. Uh, this is an even matchup. The Rays are a really good team. The Yankees are as well. Uh, Rays now probably will get five or six out of Blake Snell, although they're not afraid to pull their guys. We've seen this before. Masahiro Tanaka starts for the Yankees, Joe. The total is eight. And uh, Aaron Judge finally got a day off yesterday, so he didn't hit a home run, although he did pinch hit. And so they'll play this game at Tropicana Field in Florida, and uh, we got basically an even number here, uh, one way or the other. Really good matchup, I would say. Yeah, really good baseball game here, and Tanaka's had his struggles the last few years with the Rays, believe it or not, as well. Uh, and I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I think this is a big game for the Rays. The Rays kind of been sluggish out of the gate here, uh, and I think they need a big start from Blake Snell. And uh, this is kind of a, a moment in time here where you can sort of announce your presence in this division, because we all know what the Orioles are now. And I think we have a pretty good idea what the Red Sox are doing. And right now the Rays really have an opportunity to challenge the Yankees. And I think it starts this weekend they can't challenge them in terms of star power. They can't challenge them in terms of payroll. They can challenge them in terms of starting pitching. Cause they do have that. They have guys like last now, like Charlie Morton, like, like Snell and, uh, and some depth as well. So it's going to be fascinating to watch this game here. This is definitely a coin flip scenario here because I think we were waiting to see Snell, get to that limit in terms of pitchers where we're usually comfortable. Can he get around a hundred? Is he going to be around that mark? And can Tanaka be the good Tanaka or the bad Tanaka? And that's something that he's been very Jekyll and high the last few years, ever since that elbow. Uh, he's not going quite the same dominant version of himself for the total here is interesting at eight. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Craig, because um, you know, these are two guys that can go out there and pitch pretty well. Do you think this is an over or an under or stay away? I mean, the trend sort of says the Yankees pitching is is subpar and they're hitting. So I would lean a little over on this one today. And I'm not an over guy. I'm usually an, an under guy. But Snell has not shown yet that he's going to go seven innings in a game. And the Rays have a great bullpen. But they when they only put their main guys in to close games out when they have a lead. So if they don't, this could go the other way. I would lean over. That's, that would be the way that I would go. All right, Reds at the Brewers, 8-10 Eastern. We're going to see Trevor Bauer, uh, see if he can continue to pitch like he has. He's been fantastic for the Reds, and they are favored. Who would have thought this one? I don't think the Reds have been favored in Milwaukee in at least a few years, no doubt. Minus 120 on the road, and the total is eight in this one. Uh, Lauer will start for Milwaukee. We sort of know what he brings to the table. But basically what the FanDuel Sportsbook is telling you is that despite Bauer and despite the way that the Reds are playing, they really do not have a significant advantage, although a road team having a minus 110 or minus 120 shows you who they think the better team is. And at least on this night, Joe, they think it is the Cincinnati Reds with Trevor Bauer. Uh, Hard to completely buy into everything that we've seen with him, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if, if Bauer now has come to be the guy that we have been waiting for he's been that thus far the question is can he continue 
Yeah, I mean, it was just so puzzling last year when he got dealt and he just completely fell apart in the National League. I don't know if it was just a mental thing, a mechanical thing, an injury thing. I guess we'll never quite know, but all we need to know is right now he is good. Uh, and FanDuel thinks he's good, too. He's the most expensive pitcher on the board, but we still like him anyway tonight quite a bit, as we'll get to in the next segment, just because the, the board allows for it. Uh, you got a lot of great hitting in that 2.5, 2.7K range there where you can really put some guys together and afford Bauer in cash games tonight. And uh, look, the line tells you what kind of favorite he is. And I know we're all waiting for that Bauer-Lauer game. I mean, we're only going to get this probably once all year. We got the Bauer True. versus the Lauer. It doesn't get much better than this. Don King is trying to promote it as we speak somewhere. I am absolutely sure of it. But, uh, you know, even though the Reds have scuffled a little bit at times offensively, the Brewers have as well. And until Yelich is really getting going, I think that you kind of continue to favor Bauer here in this one. And uh, you kind of look at it as maybe one of the more appealing games on the slate of wagering. So uh, in terms of Yelich, have you come around to this idea that he's a wreck yet or you're still not convinced? No, I'm coming around to it. I told you this was a very important week. I wanted to give him more at-bats because I just think it's very difficult to to gauge any baseball player off of a week. I can show you the greatest week of a player who's a terrible player and the worst week of a player who's a great player. I want a little bit longer of a sample size, and I think we're getting it now. And I think, yeah, I think we're starting to come around to it. And it's unfortunate, too, because he was a guy that it took me a long time to come around on to think he was that good. Last year, I was tough on him. I said he can't sustain hitting this many home runs. Guy had 22 home runs in August and September of 2018. That is crazy. That is unsustainable. I didn't think he had that kind of power ever. And if the Marlins did, I think they would have asked for more kind of prospects back. Bigger ones, for sure. And last year, the guy just blew it out of the water again. So at a certain point, I kind of threw my hands up and said, okay. You know, but maybe just something's not right here physically, too. I guess that's what we're going at, baby, too. Do you think that's more play here than a mental thing or, or a mechanical thing? Maybe it's a physical thing? He's going to come back next year and be the MVP again, and he'll be fine. But... I think that the lesson from here is really one that we're going to have to, and it's too late now for baseball, but one that I'm going to have to adjust my thinking on for football as well. And I've always done this for baseball because if I can't be somewhere, I have to trust what the other people are seeing. And that was, I was not worried about Yelich at all. I was worried that people were saying that he didn't look good. And then to me, not being there is a concern because we didn't have the access that we used to have when we had spring training games and we could just simply watch the games on TV or people who were a lot smarter than me could say, hey, look at these at-bats. And that's why this year in particular, I'm going to be a lot more careful with football, uh, reading things and understanding things that I normally uh, have. Because what happens is, is usually you get to around the time of training camp and you know you hear these stories about how this guy looks great and he made a great catch and the tweeting is just absolutely horrible. And it's like, you know, you, you, you look at this stuff and you, you drag yourself into believing something that isn't true just because a beat writer is so excited to be watching football at a game. And that's really the case is what happened, especially those first couple of days. The beat writers are all there. It's like, wow, I'm so excited to see football again. And I'm back and this guy's making a catch. And this like guy looks great running. And I'm not going to say that I'm going to go against that opinion this year. But I do think very specifically any player, as an example, who is not on the field at all for any kind of injury whatsoever, given the nature of reporters not being able to go inside locker rooms this year and speak to players, any sort of negative or even positive indication needs to get a little bit of a bump or a take back from the reporting that's going on. And that's something that I hate to say and and hate to see, but it is the reality of the situation. None of us are there this year. 
none of the reporters can be speaking directly to players right in front of their face to get this information to provide to us. And so we're ha- we're going to have to be reliant on them. And that's sort of what goes back to Yelich a little bit with the guys who are covering the Brewers and, and seeing the tweets and seeing them say, this guy looks way off and he looks bad and, and asking questions in press conferences about he looks completely lost. That's it was too late at that point because the season was. was just about to start. It was just so difficult because of the circumstance where I, I just didn't it was hard to disseminate whether or not what they were seeing was just a weird rust factor of this weird stopping and starting. You know, if this was spring training and just normal and they were saying this, maybe I would be uh, I would have taken it differently to begin with. But I think that what was difficult for folks like me in the fantasy world to deal with it was, well, well we have this huge body of work here the last two years that says he's this guy. And now all of a sudden after this weird thing where nothing's happened and now you're seeing this guy, if you're not seeing this guy, can we buy into it? But it turns out we should have bought into it. And it turns out that it looks like it's more right than anything. So I think that's also the circumstance of when and how it all started to come down, I think also impacted the way we reacted to it or frankly, maybe didn't react to it. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to have a good year. I, I think that I think next year he'll be an undervalued player. But I, I think he, from everything that everyone is saying, he seems to be lost at the plate. And and I would not use yesterday as a great example because Eloy Jimenez fell down into the stands. Eloy Jimenez should not be playing the outfield, by the way, either. So <laughs> last year they asked. Do you remember when they asked Eloy Jimenez last year about being DH? What he said? Do you remember that? Uh, no. He used no. a lot of curse words. He used a lot of curse words when, when he was asked that. <laughs> well, well, look, I don't know. Did, as long as he doesn't fall into the, the crowd where Bernie was at the weekend at Bernie's thing, because that was, again, it looked like some that. People, it looked some like that. He was like in the net. That. I don't know if you caught that in Kansas that? City, but somebody did a cutout of uh, Bernie from weekend at Bernie's behind oh, the plate. Didn't see that. Oh, you didn't see Oh, I'll send it to you. It no. was magical. And every time the guys stepped out of the batter's box there, you saw Bernie with the sunglasses and the blue uh, parka on it. It was just, it was magical. And and I got to give some people credit. There's been some trolling and some funny things. That's definitely, again, I like the creativity. You know, we've seen the dogs and the this and all that, but Getting the weekend at Bernie's guy out there, that cardboard cutout so far, I don't know. That might be the grand champion. We've got a couple weeks ahead of us here, some more baseball to go. Maybe somebody could top that. But so far, for me, that's the number one. All right. And then finally, let's take a look at the Astros and A's tonight. Uh, Oakland's been playing good baseball, and certainly Chris Bassett has gotten off to a really good start. The Astros are extremely formidable. Their bullpen is a little bit in shambles right now. Presley hasn't been right. Osuna's out for the year. They really don't have a closer. So in two weeks, they'll get one. You know, they're going to trade for one. That's going to happen. Houston will get better. So whoever their closer is now, just ignore it. But their total is eight and a half in this game and a, a wide open possibility of, of different things that can certainly happen. Uh, I hate to bet against the Astros because you very rarely get them as a light favorite like this. They're usually about minus 130, 140 across the board. So uh, having to take one team and back Zach Greinke is pretty easy for me to look at and do. I can't say with certainty that it will happen, but if I had to pick one side, it'd be Houston. Yeah, I can understand that. The line's basically telling you it's a four-outcome game, and in DFS, we always like to stay away from those. Uh, if Greinke had been a little bit more dominant in that last outing, maybe I'd feel better about this, because Zach Greinke, the last couple of years, has been a quality start machine, and this is exactly the kind of moment where Zach Greinke would come in there and give you a, a six-and-a-half, you know, seven-inning start, something like that, and, uh, you know, give up one run, and you'd have an easy victory here. But it's just, we're still waiting for everybody to get right, and this could be that game. But Bassett's pitched pretty well, too. And I think that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle here. He's been surprisingly good so far. It's a good pitcher ballpark, so I'm staying away from this one. And I'll tell you what, I want the Astros to turn it around. I think it's good for baseball. The fact that they're 6-6, six and six, some people look at that and they'll say, oh, you know, uh-huh, karma, whatever. No, no, no. We want the villains. We want the bad guys. 
you want them to do well. You want them in the playoffs. It's good TV. It's good for baseball. So uh, I would like to see the Astros get right here because, you know, it's always better when you have the villain, just like when the Yankees are good. Sure, for sure. All right, uh, coming up next, for those of you who are playing DFS, you have a lot of options tonight, so we're going to roll through those coming up in a couple of minutes from now, so stay tuned to that. We'll have our top stories at the top of the hour. Our second hour of the show, Matt Sells will join us. We'll go over the Firekeepers Casino 400 this week in Michigan and go over that race. And then Gray Albright joins us to go over what has gotten into Trent Grisham to make him such a fantasy superstar for this season. We'll be right back on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We have 15 games in baseball to get to tonight. Only looks like one game is in jeopardy. Ironically, one of the players who we could be talking about tonight is Philadelphia takes on Atlanta. Uh, But Joe, uh, a good start to the week in DFS, but the last couple of nights uh, have gone the other way. So we we need a pitcher here who's not going to give up eight runs in a game, potentially. If we can avoid that, that'd be great. So let's uh, let's see if we can uh, you know nail a couple of, of guys here tonight because uh, yeah. you know we, we're, we're, we're making hurts. money for people uh, uh, and giving hey, it back. It it hurt. It hurt bad. Tyler Chatwood and I are not speaking for the rest of the Ooh. year. I can tell you that right now. It was so hurtful. Uh, he and I are going to be in therapy for a long time after that. But anyway, you got to give it up off. on him, right? You're you're off him completely now, right? It's done, right? After that, I think it's it's very difficult to be on okay. him. That was a crooked matchup, I think, for him. I know as good as Whit Merrifield yeah. and Solaire are, I just no, no, you can't he's a have phony. that kind of implosion. He's a phony. That was not real. That was not now, real. I don't think now, 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 now you know. he's a phony though. Like you know, that's that was your one saving grace yesterday. I was still saying he's a phony. Uh, but look, let, let's get to these. I know we're up against it here. Uh, Trevor Bauer tonight. We talked about yes, he's eleven four. But he's been so good. He's really that one guy on the board. And then tonight you got guys like Mitch Garver. You got guys like Cesar Hernandez is on this list. 2.7. You got some really cheap guys. Jonathan VR we talked about earlier in the show. There's a lot of guys under 3K between 2.5 and 3 that you can get in there. Really good lineup situations. Really good potential for points. And you can afford Trevor Bauer. Julio Urias, I think, has a really good path to the win. I know San Fran's hit a little bit. But this ain't Colorado right now. This is Dodger Stadium. Different environment. I think Samarja is very beatable as well. For that Dodger lineup, so I like Julio Urias at 8.1K and Freddie Freeman. If the game does go off, 3.8 at Philly, I think is a really good uh, mark there too. So uh, I think he is a bat to pay up for in that matchup. And if not, then I would pivot to Raphael Devers if he's out. That's the other bat that I like a lot tonight at home. All right, so keep an eye on that tonight. If you're playing over in DFS, make sure you do it on FanDuel. FanDuel's got some great promotions going right now for the Major League Baseball season, both on the Daily Fantasy side and, of course, on the sports wagering side, as next week we'll take a closer look at some of the possible options for the NFL, all kinds of new props and and options and opportunities out there for those of you who want to get involved. Got a break coming up here. We'll be back at the top of the hour for our top stories in fantasy, so don't go away. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back.
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. sportsgrid.com.